Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cricket with an Accent. We have been quiet at this front uh, for almost five weeks, and we have a good reason to reopen the conversation here. So, Sakya Bali hosting it once again and welcoming you. Uh, India is in Australia, first uh, T20s in the books, but this conversation will be a combination of you know the ongoing situation between the two teams, the the leading narratives, and the and the, some some of the scenarios uh, post IPL. And I have a very special guest, uh, and by special I really mean special because we use this, you know, cliche every time someone comes on. But this is again one of those moments when I'm excited. I'm a fan, and uh, assistant editor at Quick Info, Siddharth Manga, everybody's favorite writer, uh, has found time uh, to spare and talk to us. Uh, and the honor is all ours. Welcome to the show, Siddharth. Oh, thanks for such a generous introduction, Sakib, and it's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, Hoping for a fun chat. No, generosity is all. I mean, it's, I mean, I'll throw in a disclaimer. I won't act as a fan, but I mean, your writing has spoken volumes. It's connected uh, with a lot of fans. Even on Twitter, when I told someone that I might be speaking with uh, Siddharth Monga, and I was also lining up my other guest, and the guy said, "Why do you need me if you're talking to the likes of Monga?" I said, "No, no. I mean, we are keeping it real. I mean, you are way more knowledgeable than me. I get to do a Siddharth Monga, Siddharth Vedanathan." Once every three months, so that's the kind of respect you enjoy. And a standard question, uh, which I ask most people: What is your story with cricket? Why are you a cricket writer? Did you ever think you will be a, a batting all-rounder, or uh, what's your memory uh, as a school as a boy? Uh, when were you introduced to the game, and why are you doing this now? And what are the, what were the paths? Uh, so I, it's it's not that. Uh, you know a failed cricketer because i never really had any pretense of uh, when i was there was uh, there was i never could have thought of a pathway or even first of all you had to have the skill to even think of a pathway we played normal cricket we played it all day all all summer all winter uh it was and it and it where i studied you had to like really cajole and really convince them to even get you guys let you guys play cricket or enter any tournament so school and college it was but but cricket was everywhere and uh, it was not just cricket and again <laughs> as as happen as it happens with the, with most of us we end up here because we are not good enough for anything else <laughs> so i I studied commerce because you had to study something, which I feel was is any, at least for what we do, any education past school is just surplus to requirements because all you learn is on the job, on the field, and what you read, what you write. I I did I did study journalism for a year in Chennai Asian College of Journalism, um, and I was just very lucky that I immediately had. had a job as soon as like, even before i finished college and i mean i guess i got this media wave at the right time it was like 2005 2006 types where there was foreign investment coming into media in india and sports was sports writing was just getting into this revolution of sports writing in india where you know people were investing in sports writing people a lot more people were touring and traveling to write sports stories so it was just lucky i was at the right place at the right time 
Yeah, I mean, your, your writing does reflect a lot of death, but also reflects humility, and that's what you're doing here. Now, a lot of people can stumble upon this, but the way you dissect the game and the value you add has, you know, has an effect on fans like us. We we understand the game better. So keep up, keep on doing what you're doing. Like I said, you are becoming the Virat Kohli of writing. You know, you write those long pieces for the Cricket Monthly. That would have been like eight pages in the old Sports Star. Then you can write these match reports. Yeah, you're doing it all. So. A very standard question. Uh, when you started writing in cricket and now you're an assistant editor, how has the role and responsibility changed? Is there a correlation with the user like me, the end user on Twitter or wherever they're reading? They have also grown. So is there a correlation of what you're writing with, the, with keeping the consumer in mind? How has that evolved? Uh, you keep the consumer in mind to the extent that... Uh, uh, see... Uh, even like starting from top, for even from the editor level, earlier the editor used to just make a quality-based decision on uh, what was good writing, what was not, but or what what merited to be in the in a very limited space and what did not. Uh, but it kept changing. Now editors also have been given you know uh, targets and they know what is being read, what is not being read, and which has. Uh, which has opened, and if you if you take it in the right way, it opens your mind up to different ways you can communicate the same story. And that's that is what has changed. But you won't, you know, you won't say, "Hey, the end user to use this, to use the term, the end user wants to read this slant." So let's get there. No, you you what you change is what mode does the end user want to consume your writing in? Do they want you to be old school and very formal or do they want like a personal touch so that it feels like you're talking to them? Do they want more graphics? Do they want even video podcasts? So all those kind of things, just the mode that you respond to the content, the basic nature of your work does not change that much. One thing that changes that has changed a lot is the use of data to, you know, to say things which you would earlier, a lot of people would have just said it, mm. you know, it wouldn't be that convincing. You Now you, you end up convincing people with data to back you up and you like a lot more data is being recorded even at Crickinfo at very, at various other places. So you have a backup to, you know, to what you're saying. And it's interesting you said that because I was going to uh, recite that from your uh, podcast with Siddharth and Kartika where you said you use a lot of data while writing your match report. So that's a very perfect segue for what I was going to ask. So in an ideal, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of liberty how you want to construct the match report. So can you still insert opinion while writing a match report and how important is data there? I mean, what's a, What's the perfect marriage there when you're writing a day's play or a session? Yeah, you won't go into, like the match report itself has, you know, evolved a lot because uh, earlier you were writing for somebody who's not watched and now you struggle to find somebody who's not watched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. like if, if somebody has seven minutes to read, a, to, you know, uh, brush up on what happened in a day's play, they at the click of a finger they have highlights available to them so 
I, I mean, you still, so the challenge is you still are trying to write for somebody who might not have watched highlights even because there are some people, there are people on the move who don't have great data on their phone at that time. They would just want to read. So you are trying to do it, but at the same time, you're also trying to, you know, have a piece of writing that is a value add for somebody who's seen highlights. So, I mean, you don't write, you don't add opinion to it, but you could add analysis to, you know, not just this happened, but why this happened, you could, you end up discussing uh, why a captain might have made a bowling change at a certain mm-hmm. point. And ideally, you know, back it up with data. Hey, this is a matchup. This so-and-so is a matchup. Or maybe you could end up saying, I mean, there's nothing wrong in saying, hey, the captain might have made a mistake here. He had these two options and he picked yeah. this. Hmm. Sure. And is it is there still like in this field like code dependency from a player like from presser because I interviewed uh, Richard Evans he's a very senior uh, tennis writer he's he's also covered Ashes and Middlesex cricket so he told me when he was doing this they used to telegram these match reports and then came the era of recorders where you want to get what David Gar said and that made the piece little more meaningful so where are we in this day and age and uh, I'm, I'm sure you have access to players. But uh, can the can the report be independent of what Shami or Kohli come and say at the end of the day? Yeah, the match report has to be independent of what they okay. say. Um, that's just a supplementary piece of reading. I mean, uh, and in this day and age, a video of the press conference can do the job because um, 90% of the times you won't get an honest and objective assessment from the players in a press conference. Yeah. It's very rare that you will. So, I mean, you do, you... You use you give it the importance it deserves, but it's very rare that a press conference will be engaging or honest or objective because they will just come out mostly to you know further whatever agenda or their case. Yeah, uh, I've attended again, like as I was saying when we were prepping this in the beginning. I've attended few tennis tournaments due to the podcast, and I've spoken to few players, and I was there as a fan just to absorb. I was on their own dime. No one was paying me. But what I noticed, like in a tournament, and tennis, of course, is different than cricket. If a Federer or Djokovic comes to the press room, the attendance is full. Otherwise, everybody is watching the matches from the media room. Nobody's coming to, unless the Nishikori speaking, the Japanese crew will come. I was attending every single conference, you know, because I was just like a kid in a candy store. So what is like that in a test match? Uh, do the players who come at the end of day, I've noticed that different players in Kohli would say come, speak on day four or five. So are the players there requested by media or the team is sending them? What's the protocol there and how do you request access if you need quotes? So so this this works hugely differently to tennis uh, because first of all, I've seen a few tennis press conferences and it is very engaging. There's at least two-way communication. You could like have five questions to a guy if, like, if it requires mm-hmm. a follow-up. Right? Cricket is like it's beyond ridiculous how amateur and how unprofessional cricket press conferences are. Like especially with India, because um, you don't you don't get to request whom you get. You uh, the guy will and it's very difficult. I mean, to be fair to the media manager, the media officer with the Indian team, Indian cricketers are generally not keen to do any media. Especially once they have, you know, 
completed their uh, so-called sponsor uh, commitments with yeah with uh, with this channel that channel do, do, because those are pending like in an MOU that you have to give a player after a day's play to the host broadcaster then you have a broadcaster in India who wants exclusive bites from the players. So after all that, they, the Indian players are not keen. So it's very difficult for the media officer to find somebody. And often, like more often than not, they find somebody who has not had anything to do on that day's play or any significant contribution to oh. that day's play. <laughs> and uh, then India's, uh, you in India's press conferences, they won't let you ask a follow-up question. <laughs> it's uh, it's weird. Uh, yeah, I I go there because it's my job, but I don't see. I mean, if for that one day that something might happen and you have to report on it, but I don't see any value in attending at least India's press conferences. Uh, at, at the World Cup, the ICC uh, did a very interesting thing, and it was it was actually nice. So instead of just one press conference, like that is done, but after that they would uh, and they made it mandatory for the teams to you know. Send out three players from each side to that mixed media zone. That's what they called it. So um, you could, like, three players are standing there for about seven, eight minutes. You could just, you know, keep switching and asking them anything about the match. And those, those I found were of more value because at least there were three players, and you could ask them, and you could get a sense of what it was being like in that moment, in that match. Sure, but. Has it yeah. always been like this since you've covered cricket or this uh, this situation of the press uh, exposure, the word they use, sanitized, got more and more sanitized and now uh, whatever you're describing is what we're left with? No, it was, it was better. It used to be better than this, but uh, not not significantly better. And now it's just every day is uh, <laughs> where the value of the press conference is just getting eroded. So, again, uh, there's a there's a big series going on, so let's uh, switch you uh, to that. Uh, you know, this is a segue to what the cr- current cricket uh, climate is. And you wrote an article which is very interesting about Rohit Sharma and you know the communication and club over nation. And uh, this could be the tone of the future, especially with uh, the importance IPL uh, possesses in the Indian cricket curriculum. And you know, and there's also conflict of interest, you know, because also it's BCCI's you know own tournament. So, uh, I'll start with the communication part. In this day and age, uh, of course, you did a fantastic job, but do we really need a Siddharth Wanga to spell out what's going on? Why is the communication broken? I mean, and have you felt differently since you wrote that piece, what, 10 days ago? Has more come out of it? See, the first, uh, to answer your first question, why do... Why do you need me or anyone to try to spell it out? Is because the BCCI doesn't value its fans. Its biggest constituency, its BCCI's biggest uh, negotiation tool is India's population. <laughs> they have right. it's just accidentally arrived upon power because India has such a huge population who has no other sport to feast on. Uh, and so they and they don't need to work hard. Maybe maybe that's what 
gets them into complacency that you don't need to work hard to get these fans because they will come anyway because they don't have any other option. Uh, Rohit Sharma, I mean, and then if you value your fans, that's when you realize, hey, the fans have a right to know. They invest money, they invest time, they invest emotion, they invest everything into your your team. And you're not even calling it a national team because you there are disadvantages to being a national team in India. <laughs> so you're taking all the advantages of being a private entity and still, you know, not incorporating what a private, the efficiency that a private corporation in India is expected to have. Uh, so in an ideal world, you would have known what the nature, uh, we still don't officially know what the nature of Rohit Sharma's injury was. Was it a tear? Was it a strain? We All we know is just it's a hamstring. So Saurav Ganguly has cited somewhere in a personal interview that it's a, it was a tear. He might come tomorrow and say, I didn't say it and nobody will <laughs> argue against it. Uh, officially, yeah. the BCCI has not said whether it was a tear or what degree tear it was. Um, because a hamstring tear, if it was a hamstring tear, as Ganguly says, it's a very serious injury. You struggle to walk, let alone play. I think Rohit Sharma played three matches. Yep. So I find it very strange what has happened because every time India, BCCI uh, made a statement about Rohit Sharma's fitness, it was first of all the selection was a, itself a statement on Rohit Sharma's fitness. Mumbai Indians would put out a tweet with Rohit Sharma practicing in the nets. The next time there was a Ravi Shastri interview where he said uh, this could be career threatening if he if he doesn't uh, take it seriously. There was another video out, and then there was a Saurav Ganguly interview. Then there's another video out. So f- first of all, there is this lack of clarity. Then second of all, if if you feel if you feel that he should not be playing, you are his employer. He is your centrally contracted player, why are you taking this passive-aggressive route of, you know, Sasbo, Ladai, where, you know, you're (laughs) you're going and telling things to your neighbor instead of just taking it head-on and just tell him you cannot play. So, therein comes that uh, conflict within BCCI because IPL is their own tournament. They cannot... Unlike CA or ECB, they cannot, you know, be seen directly in conflict with any of the franchises. Um, where I remember, uh, what was it, 2011, when uh, Sevag uh, uh, delayed his surgery to play out the IPL, and then he turned up half cooked for the Test series in England. Sachin Tendulkar. Didn't rest during IPL, but rested during the West Indies tour, which was his last chance of winning a test series in that country. And there was a large hue and cry in India. People are putting uh, club over country, but uh, it was signs were clear even then. Like looking back, that somebody of the stature of Tendulkar, who has loved cricket more than you know any of us can, because of the sacrifices you see they make, and somebody like Tendulkar. Is had back then put IPL ahead of Test series, which means, which shows you the value, the regard the players hold the IPL in. It's and it, it's 
it is money it is financial security but it's way more than that it's the most watched tournament i mean even more than the cricket world cup and uh, we yeah we cannot be you know we cannot be ostriches to it yeah i mean i i'm i'm an old school guy and i'm i've accepted what it is and uh, ram chandra goa was amit on amit verma's podcast and they both had a fantastic conversation and they both kind of agreed Mr. Goha was, of course, more like, I don't watch IPL, I don't know what's going on. And Amit Verma said, look, you have to embrace it the way or at least accept it. It's, it's a different form. It's not even cricket. It's like comparing badminton to tennis. Yeah. You know, please for the aesthetics. Yeah. I was just saying, at least don't criticize it without watching it. Yeah. No, and, 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 it, and it's a known fact. Like, uh, even people like myself, I mean, I only follow IPL when I'm in a fantasy league at work. And, you know, it's a great... entertaining uh, i'm not against it but it's just something you know i'm i'm not too warmed up to but once i'm watching you know it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting and i would say i've discovered more and more out of it so like you said the reality is it's subsidizing test cricket so where do you see at the group of writers you hang out with you know think tank when you're looking at the future of the game uh, what goes first because ipl is here to stay do the bilateral one day series become obsolete if the focus is to preserve test cricket because i feel like odis outside of the world cup especially if they are played without test series seem pretty meaningless but maybe i'm old school you know we are not used to seeing someone going to a different country or different continent for a 14 day tour to play like 3t20s and four odis right but that's an odd yeah that that's uh, and you're right up I in mean, if if it's like getting too stretched and something has to give it has to be these bilateral limited overs games is nobody remembers them mm-hmm. into the next week even uh and ipl i mean see 2020 has democratized cricket it's in india especially and i'm sure in other places also in a huge way it's uh, it like never before in india were so many cricketers employed in cricket and they could think of a career it's much easier to think of a cricket career now instead of you know just 15 players or in in an era about 20 players would get to play for india yeah on tv now it's much more you can you could actually specialize in just one aspect of the cricket and play for those two months based on that specialization and it's because it's helping teams win i mean it's a it's a completely different format it's it's not cricket as we know it because the dynamic has changed because it's 10 wickets over 20 10 wickets over 20 overs which was never the case before but other than that it's still people are it's a sport it's a legitimate sport very high tactical input in it it's entertaining to watch that's why people are watching it so yeah, yeah. i mean but then you the 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 contention it becomes contentious for you and i when it you know starts encroaching upon the test cricket territory right and even some other countries calendar if it's impacted you know you still want the decision making to be a little bit democratic you you don't want it uh, you know the calendar is already tight and this is a corona covid year so it's you know it's 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 an exception to the rule but uh, But again, let, uh, again, this is very. I mean, I can quickly digress here, but you know, let's stick to what I have in mind. So there's a debate going on. Gautam Gambhir has been the catalyst. 
and rightfully so. If IPL is the NBA of cricket, the best league, which nobody would argue. So, and we select uh, performances from from that tournament can make way to Indian team in ODI and T20. You know, even the ODI is also very strategically a totally different sport. So, it's a narrative question. But uh, Gautam Gambhir and Akash Chopra were talking about it with the Sharma Kohli captaincy. Now, Kohli's won 10 T20s in a row. But then, you know, if IPL is a showcase and Sharma wins five championships, is there a legitimate case to at least have this debate? You know, can we have split captaincy in India at some point? Yeah. So, the, uh, the, the first part of this whole debate which we need to determine is what influence does a captain really have? What, how much, especially in today's era where there's so much scouting, so much team building. Team building is also dependent a lot on how much money you can spend, what kind of luck you have at the auction. Then um, your coach, what kind of input the coach has. Um, how much do you rely on those? And you, you've been given all the data matchups. So how much influence does a captain, first of all, have? Uh, if we believe that, uh, like, Mumbai Indians, the team, they are the best-run franchise. They they have invested. They, they go out. They spend the whole year with the scouts looking out for players. It's a, uh, because of such because Mumbai Indians is so well run and they invest in talent not just within India but they they can because they they tend to get their way at the auctions uh, so they get the best talent which which to start off with Virat Kohli doesn't at RCB now is is the captain himself a resistance to that we don't know you know there can sometimes be how much role does the captain play in building that squad? We don't know. Uh, so, I mean, I listened to Gautam and his point was simple give me results or the captain goes. It's not as straightforward as that. I mean, if you're looking at results, Kohli doesn't have the results. And it's very, uh, it's, he's been given captaincy of a side without any questions. Now, the only thing where, like, what is visible to us is how the captain on the field. And there, I mean, there you you look at some tendencies of captains and I think it's fair to, you know, summarize that under Virat Kohli, you don't get a decent rope. Uh, he tends to, you know, and he said it himself, he tends to not follow matchups or data that much. He's more of an instinct person on the field. Uh, so, it's this, I mean, it's quite possible and maybe reasonable to say that under Virat Kohli, it's difficult for a team to build. Um, than maybe Dhoni who I mean Dhoni himself backed Kohli and Rohit Sharma when they were under pressure in the, at the start of their careers uh, we don't see that kind of backing for uh, Rishabh Pant say 
when rishabh pant is struggling to find his feet jumping from a certain level to international cricket where maybe the pressure is different i i wouldn't say the the challenge of skills is that much higher because in international cricket also you get weaker teams it's not just that in ipl you could target weaker bowlers so quality wise i wouldn't say ipl to international cricket is that much of a jump but pressures are different the dynamics are different the insecurities are different and pant we know is like a just a precocious talent which who is finding it difficult at the international level for this time for, uh, right now but he doesn't have the kind of backing that virat kohli and rohit sharma themselves had under um, dhoni there are like many other instances of selections of 11s which you know don't sit with the conditions that are there you know especially in overseas tours when you need every player to pull through because in india you could you could make a bad selection and your spinners might still win you a test you could win a test match with nine guys contributing and just two guys just fielding but when you need everyone to pull through in overseas conditions there have been many instances where india have made questionable selections of their 11 um of course kohli does what he feels is the best for his side and he genuinely believes it but there is a, a there is a history of mistakes now piling up will given the same resources will rohit sharma do better i don't know i mean mumbai indians resources are completely different to the resources kohli has at rcb or even at india level uh, especially going overseas um will rohit sharma be able to you know magically do better i don't know but uh, no i think no it's very interesting what you said there that uh, there is the salary cap which probably doesn't exist and then the reach of mumbai indians and how vested they are in this program and you know their scouting ability and these are very interesting points but similarly if we compare india to rest of the world india is the mumbai indians the rest of the world the resources and the bench we have so going back to 2019 i just want to get your view on this so we had this podcast and few of our friends were discussing and uh, my take was gone are the days when india goes abroad and say okay yaar bas hare na draw ho jaye ya uh, okay let's lose 2-0 that's a good result or let's make the playoffs or you know the knockout stage india if you don't make the final it's a is that 2019 world cup is seen as for me as a disappointment when you have the best players the best uh, coaching staff the money can buy best resources i mean i still find it hard that we don't have a settled number 4 i know karthik and you guys discussed it that we cannot question msk prasad the 3d and all that but still as a fan when i knew with my limited knowledge that we don't have a settled number 4 and if day sharma and kohli don't fire we will be in trouble in those english condition and they it happened the worst day they both didn't click so my thing is in nba or nfl they don't throw out like the superstar but coaches are very important here if the team doesn't win a championship boom the coach is gone and you you probably hear about that right you follow these sports so i'm not saying we should remove kohli it should be knee jerk but when the standards are high stakes are high i think accountability should also be there you cannot get kumble out of the picture and then still not still come empty handed at you know those icc trophies because 
everybody's saying India can put two, three teams there and the third team may not be the worst team in the competition, but we have to start winning these trophies. <laughs> so, uh, see, the last World Cup is a great example of uh, a case against this leadership at, the, at India's team management where, you know, uh, Going into the World Cup, in the year before the World Cup, Ambati Raidu was your trusted number four. You publicly said he's, you know, shaping up to be a number four. And he played in difficult conditions in New Zealand. And he, like, India were nothing, three down for nothing in one game. India lost that match. But in the next game, again, India were in similar situation. And he scored a 90 to win you that match. Which showed he has that, you know, ability, the temperament that you require at off a number four. And then, just before the World Cup, he has one ordinary series and out he goes. I can see why they went to Vijay Shankar. Uh, because India don't have batsmen who bowl. Frankly, that's the only reason they, they would have picked Vijay Shankar. But where is he now? He, he has not done badly at all. He's not been horrible in whatever ch- opportunities he has got. I, are you saying that we're going to build a... We want these... Supermen who will come in, who will get one or two matches a series and they will win that match on their own. Otherwise, I don't see a spark in this player and this guy is just been discarded. That's, that's where you question the team building of this team management where, you know, people are not getting that security to be in the side where, you know, everybody is just looking over their shoulder. What mistake will result in us being out? Somebody like, like even yesterday, uh, Yuzvinder Chahal had two ordinary ODIs. But he he's dropped out of a different format where he just recently had his best IPL. And yeah. in the first T20 that India play after the IPL, Yuzvinder Chahal is not playing. <laughs> and anybody knows that, see, ODIs is difficult for spinners these exactly. days because... Because there's one fielder extra inside the circle till the end of the 40th over. And you hardly see spinners bowling after the 40th anyway. So, you don't get the cushion of that extra fielder. In T20, sure. Chahal gets the cushion of that extra fielder. This is his format. And you are the guys who dropped Ashwin and Jadeja completely for wrist spinners. <laughs> and now you are going into a match without any wrist spinner. Yeah. So, these kind of... I mean. And then you end up, uh, the concussion ends up showing you, showing up your, you know, questionable team selection where the guy comes in and turns the game around. <laughs> no, I mean, hold, hold that thought. And, and what you just said about, you know, the process. I think Indian team over the years or the management has become very professional. So what happened in the Vijay Shankar and Ambati Raidu case, it's, it's, I think it's very, uh, it's full of irony, you know. Uh, because you know the 3D that you know that that statement became a joke, and then everybody trolled everyone on that. But the reality is, if you look at the 2011 World Cup, the building started in 2009. The likes of Rahul Dravid doesn't win a World Cup at home. There's nothing to say that if he was part of the team, we wouldn't have won. But you know they went with Yusuf Patan and you know Raina and all those guys, and Dravid was said, okay, you're not part of the plan. But in 2019, you stick with Raidu, and then last minute you change the plan, and then you have two or three more additions and he's still not that guy. So, this is the clear question and that ties in with this whole Rohit Sharma handling. I mean, in this WhatsApp group, we play cricket locally in Massachusetts here. There are 30 people and my captain still reaches out to me. I'm retired. Do you want to play? 
And my answer is no, but you know, he knows how to reach me. And I'm going to simplify it. I'm sure there's like a lot more going on, but uh, and again, by the way, thanks for writing that article. I was being sarcastic that why you have to write an article, but you spelled it out basically what the fans wanted. And uh, there's a huge void. I mean, let's see how that plays out with the, uh, if Sharma does come back. So, so let, let's focus on the test series now. I know we can go on this, but uh, when one, you prepare... One, 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 sorry, go one ahead. No, no. I would, I would just, even I would go to the extent of, you know, splitting the coaching also because there are completely different formats and you need, T20 coaching is a whole different job where coaches like are much more involved. They are not, you know, they... They don't say, hey, it's the captain's team and let the captain, once I put them on the field, let the captain decide everything. No, there's a lot of intervention from the coaches at crucial points. Um, where how This is how Mahila Javardana's team works in Mumbai Indians, where he constantly keeps giving them inputs. Um, you can't just, you know, and it's, it's, there's nothing wrong in having two completely different leaderships for Test cricket and limited over wide ball yeah for india yeah i mean i would i would go and say let's have a different coach and captain for both the teams and that's that's going to be the next debate i'm sure who who said it recently was it someone in pakistan i think one of those youtube channels that split captaincy doesn't work in our culture and i believe yeah, same I mean, applies to our culture <laughs> no but that's true also in, in in the sense that anyone who becomes india captain wants total and complete authority and complete control and doesn't want to be questioned like like that line in uh, uh, Game of Thrones, the guy says, if, if the leader has to second-guess himself, then yeah. cannot be able to do that. No, and, and I think definitely I don't want to gang up or blame everything on Kohli. I think you know, Kohli is right. You, you said it. You know, Indian captaincy is, there's like, there's total authority and that's how culturally it has been. We can all marvel at Owen Morgan and Joe Root, how they play their cricket and you know, even in Australia, Finch has been uh, captaining. Uh, it works. It, it, they're live examples of their rivals, but it's somehow maybe, you know, a bridge too far for our mindset. Uh, maybe maybe we'll get there one day. So yeah. uh, let, let me ask you, I mean, the big series coming up, I'm sure you're writing, you know, you're a prolific writer, you write a lot, but, you know, there's a lot of quality in there. So in a series like this, are there some topics that you have in reserve that you have to just dish it out or you go by the day with what's going on? And I'm talking about the opinion pieces leading up to the actual show. So, I mean, uh, more than opinion pieces, we might look at, you know, futurist reviews of, you know, just take one aspect of the series. Maybe it could be, you know, uh, just off the, off the top of my head, maybe, you know, how do in how does India's off spinner and Australia's off spinner how are they like they're two completely different bowlers but there could be a comparative analysis of what they do what makes them good or there could be there could be a piece on how India will deal with no Ishan Sharma this time and all that but opinion pieces are not you know predetermined they, they just depend on how cricket goes how it Goes on maybe I, maybe I'm I'm using the wrong term, but I mean, for example, like Mirhane will stand in for three tests as captain, right? So no, I mean, I mean they have not said anything, but uh, oh, again, it's not final. He's a great example of this is a communication. <laughs> you know, he, Rahane is the vice captain. When when you say Kohli is pulling out, why don't you just say Rahane will captain India? And in why do you leave room for speculation 
<laughs> and somebody to you know start pushing the rohit sharma agenda saying let's have him as captain because he has more international experience than rahane why leave room for that just make it clear yeah it's it's, no, no. it's for that's for rahane i think oh, oh maybe it's clear but you're right it's just not spelled out and you know that's yeah. that that kind of leaves yeah, room mm-hmm. for a lot of speculation uh So definitely, uh, again, uh, when Siddharth, you know, Vedyanathan was on the show, I asked him about the Cricket Monthly and how that format is still, I think, a lot of... Uh, I think in this day and age, uh, there's a quick uh, narrative going on that uh, people have, you know, limited attention span, find the millennials or maybe the younger generation too, but there's a lot of people who are still reading books. And those articles are like godsend, especially, you know, you wrote a great article on Saha, I think, earlier, uh, before COVID this year, and then... uh the resistance you know article on pujara i think that was just god sent and then pujara has a breakout year next year so when you do that kind of a piece what kind of access you need from a player was looks like you did spend a lot of time with pujara i always wanted to pick your brain and then whatever you gather there do you also use some of that in increments because i'm sure there's a lot of stuff that i've seen even in other articles like when pujara scored uh, those hundreds in australia you use something which stood out uh, with me that uh he respects the conditions too much even on a flat track and that nobody has said that but that pretty much personifies the man right there yeah i i kind of like uh, want you to address what go what's the process behind those articles and then you can answer the pujara part uh process is uh you maybe you try to live that story for a week or so sometimes you get access sometimes you don't like the so this the the pujara piece that you're talking about is uh would fall under the category profile i didn't get any access for dhoni yeah i didn't get uh, i got what five minutes with jadeja i did a piece on jadeja a long piece uh but sometimes you get access with somebody who knows them well which was the case with jadeja where i spoke a lot to his sister Uh, uh, uh sometimes you don't get any access at all and you have to rely on other things um access is good but sometimes you don't get it pujara was uh, very generous with access and he we we i i flew into rajkot and he took me to their academy and his father was there and we we chatted about this that and the other and um mm, Pujara was good with that. Saha was good with access. Saha, I went to his house in Kolkata, where his they were doing up an apart. They were doing up his apartment, so he was in another apartment, a rented place. It was, you know, it was still not like a home for them, and he still, you know, welcomed me, and we had a long chat. Uh, so sometimes is that is that your comfort zone as a writer, where you have like I think you know there's of course no issue for space. Not that there is space issue in cricket info. But for Cricket Monthly, the Cricket Monthly, you're writing these in-depth pieces, so I'm sure the preparation is different. But also, uh, do you take more liberties? Do you play more strokes there, or if you were a batsman? <laughs> no, sir. See, look, as you said, the narrative of uh, you know contracting attention spans. Uh, at the same time, as you said, people read a lot. But the point is, the challenge for you is to like make it really good. If you want somebody's somebody to spend more than two minutes on your page, you, gone are the days when you would just put a, anything in, and you know, 
sell a magazine and you won't even know what is being read what is not being read that's that's one difference that has become where you can now see uh, the editor now knows what kind of readership every piece has instead of just as a composite magazine which is being sold with the hindu for example um so you you have to make it if you if like there is a lot of demand for readership this there's, there's, there's a lot of demand for long pieces but they have to be like extra special so uh, my my editors are okay with somebody taking extra time to do it somebody you know and these are like these are if there is you know if these need to be worked reworked there's a lot of back and forth that happens which cannot happen with daily articles um so all those kind of things there's a lot more put into these pieces than to and of course you obviously you will enjoy these more than the process more than what you do on a daily basis so it's like a thing no it is uh, so on the, on the on the other article that i think i referred was i think when he scored that 100 in melbourne and he said that uh, that's very profound uh especially you know if you don't know the player you said that uh, if you think he's at ease now he's still not at ease after scoring these 100 because that's the kind of you know that's the kind of his has been his relationship with the with this position in the team so he's and you think uh, with him playing so limited cricket and even in IPL in this corona year he didn't have the chance to play county cricket you think now he he's a guy who's always i feel on a his leash is smaller so yeah, because you know he's someone like Ishan Sharma they only play one format so they what i'm trying to say is their successes can be forgotten little easily because they appear only in one format and yeah you're right like when was the last time oh, pujara had this success i think it was 2018 december <laughs> now it's almost two years gone yeah. uh, so so just starting off why why pujara is the kind of batsman he is i mean you could go a little bit back into you know their back story both him and his father they had to work really hard to you know get because coming from rajkot not part of establishment in rajkot his father was a rebel who was toned himself down for the sake of his son's career his father was a proper firebrand so uh, and then to you know having to they used to go and live in those you know shells that are still yet to be you know flat buildings that are yet to be furnished and but they are still yeah. ready so they used to live there in those houses take the train every day go play this match that match so everything you know they they will naturally value whatever they have much more than there's this people who have a debate with him that you know you you know batting inside out why don't you branch out and why don't you it's not enough to say that i want to play t20 you have to change your batting to play t20 why don't you do that because they value what they have too much for that i mean you it, it is indian middle class you don't want to lose what you have you don't want to risk losing what you have for you know to get something else so it's that kind of mentality which goes with this batting even even if sometimes the conditions are flat he tends to be slightly over cautious because he can't he can't afford to lose his wicket because his wicket he won't get another chance that soon that he also chance. said 
No, you are really onto something here, and, and it comes back. Uh, it brings me memory for that article. I read that a couple of days ago when I was preparing. But uh, he says something to you that uh, shots are easy to play, but when I'm putting my head down and concentrating, and I'm just playing the solid defense, the bowler knows he can't get through me. So yeah, that's, that that's that surprised me because that's not the Pujara. Again, I don't know Pujara, but that's not the impression of him that I have. That he's kind of said, okay, anybody can play shots, even though he didn't exactly say this. But that's how I read it. He said, but to be in control and wait for the loose ball is my skill and is my commitment. I won't go out of my comfort zone just because it's too tempting today. That's, that's, that's a professional's pride, right? That I want to do it on my terms. If, if, I'm taking, if I'm playing a shot before getting in, I am leaving it to chance. Whereas as a professional, my pride is not taking chances. This is how Dhoni used to play. Dhoni would not, like people would say, why don't you, you know, try to hit a six sooner? No, I don't want to because that's a risk. I have, I have certain expertise. I have, I have trained so hard to be here. It is through my expertise. I will not take risks. It's the same with Pujara. I, it's, you know, it's batting expertise. Why will I take a risk when I'm not in control? And if I do that, it might, it might come off. Sometimes you are forced to do that. Because otherwise, you're, you know, the bowlers are getting too dominant. Especially on, you know, pitches that are not likely to, you know, uh, get better to bat on. Pitches that are expected to stay challenging. You sometimes, even Pujara might sometimes play an extravagant shot early. But you don't, I mean, if you're expecting as the bowl will get older, as the pitch, pitch will quieten down a little, you are... You are expected, I mean, that's how test cricket is. You are expected to, you know, weather it out. And then, and in the worst case scenario, you've at least done, a, done, done the job for Kohli coming in after you. I mean, I remember mm. when Kohli had that golden run in test cricket and overseas test. Vijay, uh, Vijay, Dhawan and Pujara, those series, they didn't have any 100. But consistently... They were making sure with between them that Kohli was walking in only after the 20th over. That makes a huge difference. Yeah, that's why it's a team game. I know I get, uh, again, you, you said it much better when you're, when you're writing and explaining these things. But I get the counter-argument. But Sakib, the primary purpose is to score runs. If he's not going to score runs, but it's a team game, right? Number three, of course, you have to score runs. But taking the shine of the ball and you know seeing off the movement and the testing hour is is part and parcel that easily can get overlooked. And he's going to score runs only if he has, you know, seen off this difficult period. That's how he scores runs. Now, are we saying you are too out of date with current test cricket? No, because test cricket is getting more and more challenging for batsmen because the batsmen's temperament and what they're used to in limited overs cricket is different. So, not everybody adjusts quickly. So, that's why we're seeing lower scores everywhere. I mean, West Indies were pulled out in 30 overs today, I think. They had faced 26 overs last night, but about 50 overs, another 30 overs, and they were pulled out. So, um, this is uh, where, you know, he he doesn't want to... I mean, he A, he doesn't play that kind of cricket. Uh, B, he knows he's not going to get that opportunity to, you know, force a comeback based on form in ODIs, which happens a lot in Indian cricket, where you, you know, somebody does well in IPL, he gets picked for ODIs. Somebody does well oh, yeah. in ODIs, he gets picked for tests. Uh, 
I mean, this I, I I'm not going to deny a selector or a coach or captain some level of instinct on you know that's why they have played that cricket we haven't so they are better judge of the they've got better instinct than us but it is also unfair on the guy who's not getting those opportunities and is playing test cricket only exactly exactly no and again talk about data i'm sure you addressed this at some point i've talked to my friends and a lot of times uh, i've I don't know what Pujara's career strike rate in Test cricket is like 47, 48. And the great Dravid was 42. And then when I say that people, oh, don't compare him to Dravid. I say I'm not. But why are we okay with 42 there? Because, of course, he, he was the architect of many innings. And, you know, that's the great Rahul Dravid I'm talking about. I'm a huge fan. But uh, is it because Pujara's game is not as appealing to the eye? That's why his 48... uh career strike rate first of all they should never be talk about strike rate in test cricket but since there is you think that's more cumbersome because you know we talk about 53 balls in johannesburg to get off the mark and just getting bogged down but look at the overall numbers he's played 75 odd tests that's not a small sample size and then you look at dravid who he models himself around dravid had a career strike rate of 42 or 43 if i do, i frankly i don't even know where the strike rate thing I mean, it started. You know, <laughs> no, we know where it started. Yeah. And I mean, if if his getting bogged down is, you know, bringing down others, then and who we can't judge it. It's only those guys who are with him know whether it's bringing others down or not. Um. I don't know <laughs> where the yeah, yeah no that's a narrative question I guess we can dismiss it but I I guess I I got to say my piece because it bothered me so much but you're right why are we even talking about strike rates in in test cricket so anyway let's wrap this up and uh, let's talk about some of the exciting matchups that may happen in the four test series is smith versus bumrah something you're excited about is that a matchup uh, that gets your attention so this series um it's going to be very difficult for india to win a test match in this series if both smith and warner and are there and the bowlers are all fit i mean they've rested cummins also stark is looking fit stark might not even start cummins hazelwood jai richardson nathan lyon all four of them are there i mean it's going to be very difficult for india to win a test and i say not because kohli is missing but because ishan sharma is missing yeah ishan sharma is like a it's then when you're talking of narratives that's this is the biggest narrative uh, discrepancy here that everybody is talking about kohli missing the test series where he's not even the biggest miss of the series because miss is ishan sharma who's been i mean test bowling units you take out one guy from there the opposition now knows we just need to play out bumrah and shami for four overs each or five overs each and then it's going to be saini or Siraj, which is a big drop from where Ishant was over the last two three years. That for that reason alone, I think it's going to be. I don't see India winning a test. Maybe day night is a good thing because it's an unknown quality quantity. So I mean, Australia have experience of playing it, but you could still, you know, there's so many variables in a day night test match. You could, you know, Australia could get stuck in. just that period where it starts moving and you could run through them or something happens other than that i don't see india winning a test uh in terms of matchups i am 
it'd be interesting how India bat without Kohli. I mean, although he was not the main batsman on the last tour, Pujara was the main batsman, but Kohli's presence Wait, makes. Oh, of course, it's a huge difference having him in the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Who replaces him? I don't know. I mean, does KL Rahul replace him? Does we don't know. We don't have a succession line in Test cricket. Uh, does Rohit Sharma replace him? You think will Gill get a look? Is he in the Test squad? I mean, Gill Gill should get a look. So it's between Gill, Rahul, and Rohit Sharma. And Gill was there was already noise that Gill should be playing anyway. With uh, and people are after Shaw. I think Shaw's uh, Shaw could be a very good Test player, but uh, he has he has a few too many you know limitations as as New Zealand exposed him both with the swing and the bounce last year. But uh, he, he his attitude to batting is completely very very refreshing. He could be like Sehwag. He could um, in terms of matchups. Bumrah versus Smith, yes, but uh, Smith now knows that I don't have to, you know, if I play out Bumrah, I don't have to worry about Shant. Then I'll get easy polling. It's uh, and it's not like the last tour when India didn't have to go through so many good test quality batsmen. Last tour was there was I don't think that any single batsman from that side that India beat has survived once Australia got to strength. And now they so, also have Marnus, right? Marnus Labuschagne. He's yeah. another. Yeah, not so an easy customer. To, yeah, India did win that series, but that needs to be put into perspective that it was against the side which, I mean, India's great 2003-4 team also went and played a very weakened bowling Australia, attack, and they just managed a draw. So, keeping that in mind, it was a better team performance. Yeah, there was there was one test where Gillespie and Lee were there together. Magra and Bond didn't even play any. So. So this this series, if if I compare to that, it's an improvement on that series. At least, hey, we won, and they were on track to win three one. But then you have to keep in put it in perspective that that test batting was. If you scored two fifty in Adelaide, that too thanks to Pujara playing out of his skin, and you know, no Australian side would let you win after you scored two fifty in on in first innings. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that series, I mean, people will say, hey, you are pulling India down, there is that. But <laughs> that series yeah. is uh, the real, I wouldn't say real test because you play what the opposition puts on the park. But uh, you would want to, you know, back it up with a performance where you win at least one test in this series. Absolutely. All right, so let's finish this and uh, I'll go back to T20. You wrote an interesting article about Rishabh Pant as being that, you know, T20 player India needs. So someone who has not read it, I mean, uh, if you want to elaborate that as your uh, parting thoughts here. And why do you see, you know, he's such a talent that we should be very cautious with and uh, just spell it out for the listenership here. For an example, I'll just start with yesterday's game. Uh, India scored, uh, India were like, uh, India got off to a decent start, not a very quick start, but decent start. But then in the middle overs, did nothing. They just froze. Nobody was taking chances. Nobody was, you know, uh, actively trying to score runs at a at a, at a going rate in T20s. Uh, and you had who were your middle order playing those middle overs? Uh, Sanju Samson, Manish Pandey. 
Sanju Samson plays at number three for Rajasthan Royals. He he likes new ball and he he likes to start his innings when the field is up. Same with Manish Pandey, number three, doesn't. And then I you look at numbers in the IPL of players who have done well in the middle order. Only one guy, Rishabh Pant, because middle order is. the most difficult place to bat in in limited overs cricket you are not you don't have the advantage of uh, field restrictions you are playing that match situation much more you don't have any room to make errors and you have to be very selfless at that point you can't think of average you have to think more of strike rate and what the team needs and rishabh pant for 3 years he had a unbelievable record in the ipl batting at 4 5 taking game on just trying hitting from first ball despite having been an opener in his junior days he had for his team's sake taken up that role and taken risks played all kinds of crazy shots when and the thing is that he plays a crazy shot it comes off people say wow wow and then he gets out are it's okay to get out but why play such a silly shot <laughs> so uh him is it has to be respected that india do not have that kind of t20 batsmen coming in the intent of indian batsmen to an extent is still to you know they still rate average as a great metric in t20 cricket which has to change which has to evolve those insecurities have to be taken away here was a guy who had come without those insecurities and we have as a system all the criticism all the drops from the indian team everything has reinjected those insecurities in this guy um i'm i like really in terms of talent i find it really tem- this thing i felt i feel so excited imagining an indian uh, 4 5 6 that is sanju samson rishabh pant and uh, hardik pandya but we won't do it <laughs> we just won't do it but isn't this history repeating itself right you know we are it, it may be a stretch what i'm about to say but uh, when t20 was launched and the big 3 that time decided or dravid made that phone call or whoever that they won't be part of it and then the rest is history so maybe right now uh, kohli sharma that came at the heels of that generation are still they very fine t20 players but i guess like the freedom you are talking about is it's not like discouraged but i think it's it doesn't come natural to encourage that you know what i'm saying maybe no, i mean you are not you not allowed to fail even polard russell they were not they didn't come on and first match they didn't start hitting all those sixes you are not allowed you are not letting them once you lose that fear of failure only will get the clarity of mind to do whatever you're doing so once you, you fall once you fall down hard like england in 2015 and look what happened yeah i mean total revamp of the system yeah so you have to india very conservative in limited overs cricket it's still a testament to how hard they play how hard they work that they're still within in the top 3 sides in both formats at any given time but as you said earlier the amount of resources we have the amount of clout we have we should not be in just 
top three. India should be like close to the top all the time. As Mumbai Indians is in IPL. It's a very, it's a great example. It's a great analogy. India are to World Cricket when Mumbai Indians are to IPL. Okay. Write it one day. I'll smile when I read it. <laughs> no, I think uh, this is this is gold. I can still go on. And I think, sorry, I digressed a little bit. But I think that's the, that's what these opportunities do. When, you know, you start, start talking cricket and want to explore the guests, you know, mind and, you know, your range. So I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I'm sure the listeners will. And uh, hopefully we can have you back maybe sometime uh, before the Test Championship next year or something. You know, the, the cricket world might have changed by then. So thank you, Siddharth Manga. It was an absolute pleasure. And yeah, let's do this again sometime if your schedule allows. Yeah, pleasure is all mine. Yeah, Thanks. 